The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Hi, everybody. My name is Brooke. If I have met you yet, I work for Young Life College at UW. Whoa, cool. I'm going to, do I get a spotlight tonight or no? No, just the Andrews? Okay. No, (laughs) just kidding. Um, I'm going to start off tonight. I'm going to talk about an opportunity coming up with Young Life College for this spring break, which is Malibu College Week. Woo! Awesome formerly known as Malibu Work Week, for those of you that have been before, and we're just doing a little name change because the border doesn't like the word work. So we're changing up. It's Malibu College Week, but in case you don't know what it is, we're doing the same thing we've done. We go up to Malibu Club in Canada, so we cross the border, and we'll go up and we'll go to this beautiful property where we will spend our time working at the camp, building bike trails, painting, cleaning, likely working on the new club room. I don't know, I don't know. And then, so we work really hard during the day. In the evening, we play hard. There's Young Life College Club, the speaker, music, program, and we have fun surprises for you guys. So, all that being said, if you haven't been to Young Life Camp before, if you haven't been involved in Young Life, you've never come to Young Life College, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. All are welcome, and I'd say, this is your time to come. It's 150 bucks, five days. I guarantee you, if you stayed in Seattle, you would spend more than $150 in five days. I know I would at Target in an hour. So you should come. If you're on the fence about it, get off the fence. Come and talk to one of us. We'll be at the Young Life College table. And signups are due this Friday. When are they due? This Friday. So come and sign up. If you have questions, come and talk to one of us. Um, And we'd love to talk to you about it. But I'm going to bring it back a moment. Can we give another round for our deputies? Yeah. That, that is so awesome that they are giving up their summer to go and do that. And how about that talent up front? Come on. That's singing? Yeah. Um, I, okay, I don't particularly watch The Voice. I know that Kels, who's on staff with you, Min, is a loyal Voice fan. I, however, grew up as a loyal American Idol fan. Anybody else? There it is. I'd watch it every Tuesday night. And I think it was like I was in elementary school, so I'd go to my sixth grade class the next day and have my little sixth grade conversations of who did the best? What do we think about their singing? And oh my gosh, the judges. And oh, but the judges, let's talk about them. So we had, if you guys don't remember, I think I have some pictures. We had a Paula who just, always clapping, always happy. She's just the encourager. There's a Randy. Yeah, that's, that's gonna be a no for me, dog. Every time, it's gonna be a no for me. And then the worst of all, Simon, <laughs> who am I to judge? Very much to judge is him. I feel like he was the kind of grumpy cat of American Idol. But anyways, American Idol was my fave. And if you didn't watch it, maybe you missed out. It's coming back, I hear. So maybe you didn't miss out. Maybe you can have another shot at that. I don't know. Stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> all that to say, great depth announcement tonight. If you see one of the deputies afterwards, Give them a high five, congratulate them. Um, but yeah, that's just awesome. So to bring it all in, if you're unaware, maybe if you're joining us tonight, we're in the middle of a very short series here at the Inn 
we are going through the Trinity of God, um, meaning God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we're kind of looking at God as three persons. What does that mean? Last week, Ryan Church kicked off our series talking about God the Father. Talked about God as a creative father and one who's that as he made us, he made us very good. And he ended his time by saying that we are God's first because he made us and second because he bought us. So that is where I'm going to pick it up tonight in the series. We are God's first because he made us, second because he bought us. And so that's where I'm gonna take from. But before I do that, I'm gonna stop and pray. So if you guys please pray with me. Jesus, I thank you so much for this time and this space and just be able to talk about you and your goodness. Um, I pray that your words would ring true and that words of mine would fall short. God, I pray that this would be your glory and not mine. Um, I lift up this time to you that I would feel and know your presence with me and that we could all experience more of your truth tonight. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, so we are reading through the Apostles' Creed. Apostles' Creed, who else? If you're like me, that's an intimidating title because when someone says it to me, I don't really know what it means. <laughs> so, but in prep for this, I learned it's really simple. So I wanna just, Ryan, preface this last week, I just wanna reiterate it, what the Apostles' Creed is. Um, I will say it's not found in the Bible, so you can't go into the Bible and find it, but it's written as a record of what the apostles believed and taught, and everything that's in it is found throughout scripture. So the apostles were Jesus' like 12 best friends, and this is just a record of what they believed and taught, and also what we today as Christians believe and teach. So that's what we're going through, the Apostles' Creed, simple. Um, I'm gonna put up the text, and at the top is what Ryan read last week, and then I'm gonna continue on with Jesus. So starts off saying, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So that was last week. And now this next chunk is this week. All right. Um, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. All right, so just like last week, you can see, starts with the simple phrase, I believe. I believe, and implied in that is an I trust or I put my faith in. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna break down what we just read through kind of into three chunks, because that's how I see it, and we're gonna just kind of go through, dive into it. So it starts off, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Our Lord, Lord was a name that was only ascribed to God in the Old Testament. But then in the New Testament, it's ascribed to Jesus. And Jesus is repeatedly given the name Lord. So this is showing the connection between God and Jesus and that they are one. And not just that he is a Lord, but our Lord. There's a verse in Acts that reads, let everyone know for certain that God has made this Jesus to be Lord. So really this from the get-go is just establishing Jesus-God relationship, so if I could attach a tagline to it at the beginning, it's that Jesus is God. And then going along with it, it says conceived by the Holy Spirit, which I'll be honest, I'm gonna leave you guys with a little bit of a cliffhanger because you're gonna talk about that next week. But the one thing I will say is that it's a reference to the um, mediation 
of Jesus between humans and God. So it's fitting that it's in there, but we're not gonna elaborate on it. Then it continues on to say, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. So what I have to say about this section, these two verses, is that this is really just a time stamp. It's saying that if there's a second tagline that could go in here, it'd be Jesus was human. He was born just like we were all born at some point. So we all have that in common with Jesus that we had been birthed. And uh, <laughs> it's saying that he's a human and that he suffered under another human. Like you can go and Google Pontius Pilate and you can see what he was about, what he taught, what he did, when he lived. And so really, all this is saying is this is putting a phrase on this, just saying like Jesus is not just this hypothetical kind of thing that we talk about, real person born, suffered under a real person. So we're gonna keep continuing on into the next chunk, which says, he was crucified, died, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. This right here is like the pinnacle of Christian belief. If you're here tonight as a believer, you say, I put my faith in Jesus, you likely nod your head in agreement saying like, yeah, this is the crux of the faith, pun intended, crux, get it? Okay, cross, okay. <laughs> this is likely the crux of our faith. Um, but if you're here tonight as someone who is learning about faith or learning about Jesus, you're skeptical to say, I believe, well then this is simply to know this is what we as Christians believe and put our faith in about Jesus. As God and Jesus are one, we just talked about, this here shows the personality of God and that he is one who is willing to give up his life for us. So if, this, if you're looking at this and this is the basis of the Christian faith, that he was crucified, died, buried, descended, rose, you could ask the question of, well, so what? Like some guy came and he died and he rose. Cool, what, what does that mean for me? In order to understand the importance of this, I need to preface the cross. And honestly, it's a whole nother sermon, so I'm not gonna do it full justice, but it needs to be done. So I'm going to do a 90 second review of the Bible. <laughs> Somebody time me? No, just kidding. I'm gonna do it and then we're gonna keep going, but this needs to be said, it needs to preface the cross. So you guys ready? Here we go. Okay, God created the earth and the humans and he said, this is very good. There was Adam and Eve and they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then all of a sudden they were aware that they weren't God. There was brokenness, there was sin. And so from that point on, creation, all the nations were living separate from God. They're doing their own thing. They're trying to do things right. They're living in pride and sin. And then, but at the same time, they're like trying to do enough good things before God. They're trying to make sacrifices to like make things right. But God's just looking at it and he's like, this is so messed up. You guys aren't doing it right. This sucks. And he's like, stop. <laughs> stop doing what you're doing. And so he says, I'm going to send you a savior. I'm going to send you Jesus. And he is going to live a perfect and sinless life. So he sends his son, who is fully him, fully man. He comes, he lives a sinless life, and he dies on the cross. And Jesus says, all who believe in me will have forgiveness of sin. He says, you guys are trying to do the right things and do it all right. I'm here to be a sacrifice. I'm here to make things right. So he goes on the cross, his blood shed for our sins, he dies, and then he conquers death, and he rises, and he says, 
I've overcome sin. All of you come to me and believe we'll have life. <laughs> Woo! Okay. <laughs> nice. Okay. Maybe I missed some. I definitely did. But that just brings to light. When you read this, you can just read it and be like, okay, cool. What? But that, like the meaning behind it. You guys have to understand the meaning behind it. There's this relationship between us and God so that we no longer have to do enough good things to be right before God. We simply believe and receive him. So Jesus' death, burial, resurrection was not for nothing. It was in fact everything. It was everything. God sent his only son to be a sacrifice for our sins. And our God is one who's willing to give up his life for his creation and then conquering death shows us that God is an active God who can bring death to life. So we are God's first because he made us, second because he bought us, and this right here is where he bought us with his bloodshed on the cross for our sins. So that's the importance of Jesus' life and the meaning behind it and what he accomplished. Reconciliation, connecting us back to God. So the last piece of the creed where I want to spend the most of our time or the remainder of our time is in the last few lines that read, he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. If you've tuned out so far, tune back in. <laughs> Bring it back. Because <laughs> this is what I'm excited to talk to you guys about. This is where I want us to focus. I want to unpack the word judge and Jesus as a judge. I think that we, myself included, can have a variety of things that come to mind when we hear the word judge. Some of them are negative. No doubt there's something that comes to mind when I say that for you. Um, I have some images of like, maybe it's something kind of funny, like a Judge Judy kind of like courtroom judge. Or even earlier, we had our like TV judges or like musical America's Got Talent. Or it's like sports judges or something. I know that for me, I grew up doing 13 years of competitive figure skating, and part of my life was, you can see the top row of the judges. They didn't exactly like hold up the scores in front of you like that. I wasn't that good where I was at those kind of competitions, but they would write them down on papers and you would get them, and <laughs> it'd be the number scale of like one to 10. How did you do? And in my experience, it was pretty harsh. And so what I'm about to say is a huge generalization, obviously, there are outliers to this. In my humble opinion, I felt like often the judges were kind of like the, you know, old husbands who like couldn't quite do it anymore. So they like came and like just sat on the corner and like harshly critiqued you and kind of wrote like, mm, no, not that great. And <laughs> it was brutal. And it like the goal became to just impress them, whether it was how I looked or whether like they would get to know you off the ice, so whether it was my glowing personality, or whether it was my actual skill, you know what I'm saying? And so I just had to do this kind of like weird dance in front of them, and so I think that subconsciously gave a negative association for me with the word judges of it's people I just have to kind of impress and do whatever I can to impress them to get a good score. Um, and I'm willing to bet many of you have an association that comes to your mind. And I'm willing to bet that it's somehow negative. So whether it's something comical like this or something more serious, I was talking to a group of students this last week and I asked them the question, who judges you? And the question, or the answers that came from that, I think were really revealing. First thing we talked about was family. Family judges us. 
I don't know if any of you in the room experience that, if you feel judgment from your family. Um, another thing that we brought up was the opposite gender judges me. But then right after that was the same gender judges me. And I think implied in that is just people who aren't like us, like judge me. Or people that look different than me, talk differently than me, act differently than me, judge me. But then lastly, which I think was the most interesting one that came up was we as Christians judge each other. Like those of us who believe in this room judge each other. And I think that that is a sad truth that many of us experience. I'm sure we have all experienced that. Um, So why does this idea of judgment or being judged bother us so much? I'm willing to bet it has something to do with the negative association that goes along with it. If you're being judged or judging someone, it's typically in a negative way or at the root somehow asserting you're not enough. Or on the flip side, you're too much of something. Like You're not cool enough, you're not smart enough, or you're too nitpicky, or you're too whatever, I don't know. <laughs> but you're just like not enough in some way. And so it's cutting at identity. It's cutting at our identity when we judge people or when we in return feel judged, it's personal and it cuts to us. But what, here's a question, what if someone were to judge you positively? Like what if that were the association that judgments were positive? Like (laughs) crazy thought. I think we would all be in here like, yeah, bring on the judgments. Like (laughs) judge me all day if it's gonna be positive. But You guys, the thing about that is we call that compliments. We call that encouragements. We call that affirmations. Those are still judgments. Those are still things that we assert onto someone else about who they are. I want us to rethink this idea of a judge and to challenge it. I think that Jesus as a judge is a good thing, not a bad thing, and if not the best thing for us. Real quick, I wanna name three quick things about Jesus as the judge, just to get us started. First one is that we're being judged by someone who totally knows us. All throughout scripture, we read about how Jesus knows his people, which is us, and he loves them unconditionally. He knows the good and the bad, and he is all about us. He delights in us. We said how Jesus was fully God and fully human, and so it's comforting to think of Jesus as one who cares deeply for us, but empathizes. Like he was a human. He gets it. Second one is Jesus is, we are being judged by someone who's passionately committed to us. Guys, the cross, we just talked about it. He came and he gave his entire sinless, perfect life for us. Like that is commitment. Someone died for you. His whole life and death is about us and he is not leaving us. And then we're being judged by someone who we know and trust. As you develop a relationship with Jesus and come to know his character and his behavior and the way that he loves us, we trust that he is a God of love and of mercy and of forgiveness and most of all, God of second chances. So when I think about Jesus as a judge and as that kind of judge, that sounds great to me. To have a Jesus who is those things But the first thing, or the one thing I want to highlight in this is that Jesus is a God of empathy. He empathizes with us because he knows us. He knows we experience, and the creed earlier mentioned how 
it said that Jesus descended into hell and then he ascended to be with the Father. And what I believe that means is you can imagine, so Jesus came and he had his life. This is his life span. He came and had his life and it was sinless and perfect and he lived life as a human. So he got tired and he slept and he napped and he got hungry. So he lived life as a human. It says he descended, he died, and then he descended into hell. And what I'm willing to venture in that is that he went into the darkness. He went into the depths, the places that we don't want to talk about, the things that happen that we do not want to put words to, that we don't even want to think about. He went in as a human and experienced and then overcame it. And then he rose above it and he ascended to be with the Father. So we are able to look to a God who rose above the darkness. Now, real quick, I wanna speak about the difference between sympathy and empathy. I've been saying the word empathy. And I'm gonna share a little example of um, a friend of mine. Many of you know her, her name is Meg. So I'm gonna share a story of me and my BFF slash roomie Meg. And we have lived together for three years and Meg is from Colorado and the rest of her family lives in Colorado, most notably her three little wiener dachshund dogs. Cute. And so she, I've lived with her for three years and it is no doubt every year and it's like understandable, she can get a little homesick during the holidays and she can miss her family. They are all together. They're all doing things together and as her friend, I can care for her and I can be sad and I can like want to be with her, but I cannot say the words to her, oh, gosh, I know how you feel because I don't. My family lives in Edmonds, 20 minutes away. I don't have any dogs and my family isn't sending me like pictures all the time. So I can't say that to her of I know how you feel. But in a different scenario, say my family did live far away. They don't have to live in Colorado, but just somewhere and say they were sending me pictures during the holidays and being like, oh, look at the house, it's all decorated. Or look at our dog, it's in a Santa suit. Or whatever it is, they're sending me pictures. It's in that scenario that I could then go to Meg and be like, ah, gosh, why do we do this? Like, this sucks. And just like cry together or be sad. Because in that scenario, I can empathize with her. Empathy is different than sympathy in that we can resonate with others' experiences. You guys kind of see the difference there? Empathy is different than sympathy in that we can resonate with others' experiences. Hebrews 4.15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. You guys, Jesus is able to empathize with us because he was human and he has been tempted in every way. He knows how we feel, he knows how we think, and he knows us. So him as judge is actually one of the best things that could ever happen to us because he can empathize and send mercy to us. Like, we wouldn't want anyone else's judge. Imagine if you in this room were appointed to be judge over the heavens and the earth and the living and the dead and all of the nations around the world. Like, no, <laughs> like, I, no way would I want to do anything like that. And, and the difference is that the way that we judge as humans is out of our insecurity and we make snap judgments. We are uninformed. Jesus is the opposite of those things. If anything, he is good because he is a protector of us. 
He's a protector of you. I want to read a quick story from John 8 in the gospel. It's 3 through 11. Um, So you can follow along and read with me. It's about Jesus and a woman. I'll just read. Okay, it says, As he, Jesus, was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right. But let the one of you who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus as judge is a good thing. As a protector, he seeks justice for us and it is rooted in his love, grace, and mercy. Listen, you guys, listen. If there's a thing to be learned tonight about Jesus is that Jesus was fully God, fully man, and a God of empathy. And if Jesus is judge and the best judge, question there remains. So if this is true and if we all can stack our hands and say, all right, Jesus is judge, thumbs up. Again, the question is, so what? What does that mean for us? What does that mean as we leave this room? You guys, this news frees us up. It frees us up completely. I no longer have to be concerned with people on my left or on my right and how they live. I don't don't have to judge. I don't get to judge. I now get to love people for who they are and how God has created them. I get to love myself too. We are, no, we are our own worst critics. I think we can all agree with that. We are really hard on ourselves. But this frees me up to believe that you're enough and that you're enough, that everyone is enough. And I no longer, like, and I never had the knowledge, experience, the ability to empathize with people in the way that Jesus does. And so now he just gets to be judge and I just get to do what he called me to do, which is to love my neighbor as myself. And that's what we get to do in this room is to just go and love and believe that each other are who God created us to be. My job now, your job now is just to love each other recklessly. If we as a community believe this, that Jesus is a good judge and we don't have to be one, just imagine. Imagine the way that we could love and treat each other. Imagine the way we could love and treat our neighbors those that you live with, those that are in this city, those that are at UW, those that are in this world. We could just go and love and serve those around us to take judgment off the table and replace it with love for one another and ourselves. That's what we get to do and that's what Jesus calls us to do. And within the creed, as you read it, Jesus' life was so that we could live life to the full and he takes judgment off the table. He's saying, don't do that. You get to go and love. You get to go and be. You are enough. I have saved you, now go. So to close this out, I'm gonna end with this. Jesus is the perfect one to be judged. And I hope that we can continue to wrestle with that and flip that idea. It's because he judges fairly 
and accurately and with love. With love, that's why it's good. It's because he judges with love and he's about us. That is a God that I want to follow. That's a God that I want to believe in and that I want to be judge over my life. We are God's first because he made us, second because he bought us, and third because he empowers us as his own. Please pray with me. Jesus, I thank you so much for your truths. I thank you for the life that you lived and the sacrifice you made so that we could experience life and life to the full. God, I pray for us tonight that you would reveal yourself and your character to us more and more. I pray that we could recognize you as judge and a good and a merciful one. God, I pray that we have an accurate view of you as judge and the freedom that that gives us to love one another like you first loved us. Jesus, we pray that you, we praise you that you're seated on the throne and that you know us. I thank you for tonight and I pray for each of us so we could see and know your goodness. Lord, it's in your name that we pray, amen.